Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, I want to welcome all of you, no matter where you're watching from. If you're part of our church family at Boardman, TCI, we're so excited to have you. Of course, here in Warren and watching online. Uh, my name is Ryan. I get a chance to serve as our student pastor here at Believer's Church. Today, I want to begin by asking you, I think it's an important question. And it's simply this. What are you going to do when God offends you? What are you going to do when God offends you? If you have your Bibles or Bible apps, you can open up to Luke chapter 7. That's where we're going to be starting from today. We're going to be looking at an interaction between Jesus and John the Baptist. If you're not familiar with John the Baptist, he's considered by Jesus to be the goat. He is the guy, the best prophet, the greatest of all time before Jesus. In fact, Jesus said he is the greatest before me. He saw the world in a way that very few other people have seen it. He heard from God in a way that very few other people have heard from God. And John actually has this incredible moment where he is able to baptize Jesus. Now, I'm somebody who's baptized a few people throughout my life, and I can tell you I would feel a lot of pressure baptizing Jesus. Like, that would feel very intimidating. That's how John felt, too. But John, when he baptizes Jesus, there's this incredible moment where the heavens open, and there's this voice that comes from heaven. It's God the Father, and he's saying, this is my son, Jesus, with whom I'm very well pleased. And John's message, which was that Jesus was the king that we were looking for, the Messiah, the one that this whole world has been waiting for, was confirmed right there at that baptism. And yet John's perspective is now slightly skewed because he's sitting in a prison cell. And that's where we pick up our story today in Luke chapter 7, verse 18. And it says this, it says, The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? I find it interesting that the person who might have the greatest spiritual sight of his generation, his perspective is a little cloudier from prison. And the person who maybe had the greatest conviction about who Jesus was, his circumstances have now caused his conviction to come into question. And G John asked something that maybe we've asked before. Are you the one, Jesus, that I've been looking for? Or should I look for another? And I wonder if you've ever been there where you begin to follow Jesus. Maybe you have this incredible moment where he rescues you from a life of addiction or sin or something that is just powerful. It's moving. Or maybe you're a young person and you went to a summer camp and you have these moments where you're just crying and it's not just like pretty, it's like ugly crying. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like you don't even care who sees you. It's just like God is doing something in my heart. Uh, maybe you've just had these moments where God's giving you vision of who you want to be and, and kind of this picture of you that you never thought was possible before. But no matter how you decide to follow Jesus, when you get into those moments, then life starts to come in a little bit. And you start to have moments where things that felt so clear before, they don't look quite so clear now in these current circumstances. And the convictions you once held, they start to waver just a little bit. And you start to ask the same question John did. You say, Jesus, are you the one that I've been looking for or should I look for another? You ask questions like, why? Why me? Why now? Why not? Why not yet? 
And I believe that John is at a pivotal moment in his life where he is going to enter in with this question into an opportunity to fall away from Jesus or to be reaffirmed. So this is what Jesus responds. It says, in that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits and many on who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And catch this final verse. This is where we're gonna kind of land today. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. If you're taking notes today or if you're online in the chat, here's what today's message title is. Blessed are the unoffendable. Blessed are the unoffendable. Now, I will say this, that Jesus had this whole list of beatitudes that he preaches on the Sermon on the Mount. There are things like how to live the blessed life right? How to live a life full of satisfaction and peace. And the thing that we're all kind of going after, we have a lot of different routes we try and take, but Jesus says the blessed life is going to be found. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the people who are meek. He has this whole list. But I think if Jesus were preaching the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount all over again to 21st century Americans like us, I think Jesus might add this one into the Beatitudes. Blessed are the unoffendable. And the reason why is because we live in a culture that is driven by offense. Cancel culture. Everything that comes along with that. We, we are inclined in our very nature, in our very modus operandi, is to, we are inclined to be offended first. Our first instinct is offense. And here's the problem with offense, because you know this. Offense gives us permission to quit when things get hard right? If you're in a relationship with someone and you decide to be offended, then you can rightfully in your own mind and righteously pull out from that relationship without ever having to go in, without ever having to reconcile, without ever having to work hard to make it work. Why? Because offense gives us permission to quit when things get hard. And I bet there have been some Facebook posts you've seen lately or Instagram or something that has caused you to feel like, yep, I'm done with that person. I'm over that person. But here's the thing, as followers of Jesus, as people who are a part of his kingdom, offense is not our operating ethic. We are actually subscribing to a greater ethic and a greater value than offense, which is simply love. See, we serve a God who is love and his kingdom is based in love. And here's what 1 Corinthians 13 tells us about love. Maybe you know it. Love is not easily offended. And so anytime we live in a state of offense or a spirit of offense, we are living in an inferior state of being because God has actually called us to love. So when someone gives us an opportunity for offense, we actually are called to step into a greater love. And I feel that there are many of us who we assume offense only happens with people. It's easy to be offended by people. But I don't think a lot of us realize that very often some of our greatest offense is our offense with God. We're offended by God. Maybe you've prayed those prayers, they didn't get answered. Maybe you believe God for something, it didn't happen. How about this one? You're reading through his word and you said, it says what? And it's offensive. 
Oftentimes our journeys are filled with moments where we are going to be given ample opportunity to be offended by God. I remember what C.S. Lewis said before he converted from atheism to Christianity. He said, I was actually angry at God for not existing. Some of you are offended by God because he's not fixing all the wrongs, but you don't even believe God exists. We're constantly presented with opportunities to be offended by God. And I really believe this. I believe that if some of us don't turn our heart around, that we are going to give up on the good thing, the obedient thing, the right thing, the thing that is God in your life, you're going to give up on it because you are offended by God. And I was thinking about this because a few months ago I turned 30. And uh, I don't know what it is about turning those particular decade numbers, but in my mind, I started to think, you know, 30 is almost 50. <laughs> so, um, so I started to think, okay, 30, you know, I've always been pretty into health and, and all of that, but I was like, yeah, I got to turn this up a notch, man. I got to turn it up to 11. And so uh, I, I kind of started to, I downloaded this app called MyFitnessPal. Anybody familiar with MyFitnessPal? And you can track all your meals and you can track what the macronutrients are in there and the proteins, the carbs and the fats. And there was something I discovered relatively quickly. And that is that all of the things that taste good in life are usually out of either fat, carbs, or sugars. And it was like, if my pyramid was set up on how I was supposed to eat, it was like the upside down pyramid, okay? And so I, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna stick to this thing, I'm gonna do it. In fact, I'm gonna log my lunch today, okay? I just want you to know, I've got, oh, Charlie's coming after this, and I'm looking forward to it, but I gotta log my lunch, okay? And so as I'm like logging these meals, I, I kid you not, 24 hours don't even pass by. It's not even 24 hours into this journey of me like committing to eat healthy like this. And I, I go downstairs and I look in the mirror and I'm like, ah, this isn't even working. <laughs> I'm gonna give up. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm literally not even a day into this thing. And I'm like, yeah, this, I'm, I'm done with this. This isn't even giving me the results I want. And, and you, you think about this, this is how we live our lives sometimes. Like I tried this for a week, tried this whole Jesus thing for, you know, a day. Didn't work out how I thought. Didn't live the blessed life. I don't know what these preachers are talking about. And I, I really believe this. I believe that some of us are on the verge of giving up on the God thing in our life that is going to lead us to greater blessing, greater breakthrough, all the things that you're hoping for, but it's just because God needs to do something in you. So that's what we're gonna look at today. We're gonna read another story of Jesus' life. Jesus is really interesting because you might have this misconception about Jesus. There's when we think of Jesus, typically we think of somebody who's very kind, warm, loving, gracious, merciful. And if you think of Jesus that way, you're absolutely right. 100% Jesus was kind, merciful, loving, gracious, the most kind, merciful, loving, gracious guy that's ever walked the earth, okay? But then we also kind of assume that that means he would never offend anyone. And I just gotta tell you, Jesus had a gift, I'm gonna call it a spiritual gift, of being able to offend people. In fact, he could be in a room with two different groups of people, some who were believing one thing and the others who were believing the exact opposite thing. And he could, with one story, offend everybody. Like Jesus was incredible at offending people, but unlike you and me, he offended people out of love. We just offend people because we're mean, okay? So Jesus, he, he would offend these people. And so I think this story that we're gonna look at, it's between him and this woman. It might be the greatest story of Jesus offending someone in the entire Bible, but I think how she responds to this is the pathway for us. So if you wanna live a life that is unoffendable, 
this woman shows us the pathway as she interacts with Jesus. So we're gonna take this to Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 21. It says, then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. For my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. So parents, I want you to imagine the desperation of this woman. You know how it hurts when your kid hurts, right? So this, this woman comes to Jesus in the moment of her greatest need. Her daughter is being tormented by demonic activity. Her daughter is being tormented by darkness. And she comes to Jesus because she's heard that Jesus can cast out demons, which in fact he actually can. Jesus casts out demons and darkness everywhere he goes because he's light. And everywhere light goes, it just extinguishes darkness. It's not even hard. And so this woman comes to Jesus in the moment of her greatest need. And did you notice Jesus' response? Do you remember what it was? Not a reply, not even a word. And this is the first opportunity we have for offense is when we feel like God is silent. I remember sitting in a connect group with a guy that uh, I've done some life with and he was at the time going through a deconversion story. And I'm thankful to say that today his faith is stronger than ever, but at the time it looked like he was really actually walking away from his faith. And I remember him sitting in that group and, and being really honest and open with us and just saying, hey guys, part of the reason behind this, honestly, is that I, I struggle with anxiety and, and these panic attacks and these hit me and I feel like I'm in such a dark place. And in these moments of darkness, I'll cry out to God and I hear nothing. And I just wonder what kind of God would not answer me back? And this woman is in this very real moment of her greatest need and God is not responding to her. Not even a word. And please understand, it's not because she believes the wrong thing. Not only did she come to Jesus, she came to Jesus believing he could do what she knew he could do, which was that he could heal her, heal her daughter. And sometimes I think we have this assumption that if I just come with all of the perfect faith, if I just have all of my ducks in a row, then God will just completely make it look exactly how I expect. And I, I was sitting across from another young guy. We were at uh, the Temple of Tacos. Uh, it was a place where refried beans flows like milk and honey. And it was a very spiritual place. It's called Taco Bell. And, uh, and I was sitting across from this guy and he was in our youth ministry for many years. And he was also kind of falling away from his faith. And I was kind of asking him about it and just saying, hey, what's going on? And, you know, we love each other. So, it, you know, that would never get between us. But it, it was just one of those things where I was like, what's, what's going on? And, and uh, he just kind of told me, he's like, you know, honestly, man, when I was in high school, I was dating this girl. We were really following God together. Like we were doing devotionals together. We were, uh, you know, keeping, you know, moral purity. We were just doing all kinds of things. We, we were praying together, all, all stuff. Uh, everything good thing that you would be taught to do at church, right? And he said, and then she broke up with me. And I just remember thinking like, if I do all of that and God still doesn't come through, what's the point? And I remember looking at him and saying, okay, what this sounds like to me is conditional Christianity. And I think a lot of us, this is how we kind of live. We may not be as blunt about it as he was, but we kind of live conditional Christianity. We think, God, of course I'll serve you. If, if I get this, if I walk in this blessing, if I get this promotion, if I get this relationship back. 
And let me just tell you, you don't want conditional Christianity. Let me promise you, you don't want conditional Christianity because if there's enough conditions for you to be right for God, you don't meet them. And neither do I. In fact, that's the whole reason Jesus came is because there's no such thing as conditional Christianity. Jesus met all the conditions for you so you wouldn't have to meet them. That's the great news of Christianity, but it's also the news that says, okay, once you brought into the kingdom, it's like trying to be a dead person once you're alive. Like it doesn't make sense. You don't live short of what he's given you. We do everything we do out of love for God, not because we're trying to get God to do something for us. He's done everything for us already. And so we have these opportunities where we can either decide, am I a conditional Christian or a committed Christian? And I, I love what goes on to say, this is crazy. So this is where the story goes. So the woman doesn't get a response from Jesus. And then it says, his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all of her begging. Very compassionate disciples. <laughs> I've been there, I get it. But these are the guys that are gonna go on to like change the world. But they're like, in this moment, they're still learning. And then look what Jesus says to her. He says to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Here's opportunity for offense number two. First you were, passed, or first you were held silent. And second, Jesus says, yeah, I can do what you're asking me. I'm just not gonna do it for you. I'm gonna do it for somebody else. Have you ever felt passed over? Have you ever felt like everybody else is getting what you're going after and yet you feel like you're stuck here and you're like, God, is something wrong with me or what's, what's the deal here? And check this out. Sometimes it's not Christians who are getting all the things you want. It's actually the people who are living their life however they want. Maybe it's the people that are kind of cheating, lying, stealing to get ahead, and they're the ones that are prospering. And this woman is passed over by God. And it reminds me of Psalm 73. There's this man named Asaph in there, and he says, you know, I'm starting to really get close to losing my faith. He said, there's this moment where I almost lost my footing. I almost fell. I almost slipped and fell away. And the reason why is because I would look around me and everywhere I would look, the people that were living life wickedly were wealthy. And they were all getting the things, the blessings, the protection, and nothing bad seemed to happen to evil people. And it made me think, what am I keeping my heart pure for? Why am I keeping going in innocence and purity when, when it doesn't seem like it benefits me at all compared to them? But it says there's this transformational moment for him where he went into the temple of God. He went into God's house. And when he went there, it's like his eyes were opened and he saw the end from the beginning. And he realized that people who are wicked, that there is a destruction that is heading their way if they don't change their ways. But God, he looks after his own people, the people that trust him. And this woman, you gotta imagine guys, this is, this is your daughter being tormented. Jesus has been silent to you. Now he's passed you over, but look at how she responds. This to me, this might be the greatest response. Actually, she has another response later. I'm going to tell you is probably the greatest. This one's like the second greatest response, but look at how she responds to this moment from Jesus. It says, she came and worshiped him pleading again, Lord, help me. So instead of whining, instead of complaining, which she had probably a right to do here, there was something inside of her that said, no, Jesus, help me. And here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that the people that make it compared to the people who don't make it, there's one major difference. The people who make it in their walk with Jesus are the people who can take their whys and turn them into worship. You take your why me, why now, why this, why not yet? And you take that why and you say, God, I don't know why, 
but I give you my worship. Those are the people that position their hearts to see blessing and breakthrough in their life. Now, they may not see it immediately, but they will live a life of blessing and breakthrough. Why? Because God is drawn to worship, especially uncomfortable worship, especially worship when there's no, uh, there's no logical reason for it other than trusting the character and nature of a good heavenly father. It's the people who can take their whys and turn them into worship. And please understand, her worship is not as pretty as what we just did. We just sang beautiful songs with beautiful voices and beautiful instruments and lovely lyrics, and they're all coalesced together, and our band played it amazingly, and that's great. You know what her worship was like? Three words. Lord, help me! <laughs> it's a little more raw. It's not on pitch. But man, God loves that kind of worship. Sometimes the most genuine, authentic worship you can have is two words, help me. Why? Because you're turning your attention and focus to the place where your help's gonna come from. Just the very fact that you would acknowledge God is the very thing that shows that your heart is in a state of worship. So can you turn your wives into worship? And now we assume, okay, she's done that. Conditional Christianity would say, okay, she's done that. She passed the test. Good job, lady. Here we go. You're gonna get your, your healing now. Not exactly. This is when Jesus goes into like ultra offense mode. If he, you know, it's like Goku, like Super Saiyan level four, like uh, only seven people understood that reference. That's okay. Uh, but Jesus goes into this special mode of offense. If there's a line, he definitely crosses it here. Check out, I don't care what generation you grew up in. This is what Jesus says. This is gonna be offensive. Uh, so the woman worships him and, and Jesus says to her, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Ooh. <laughs> that one's going to get Jesus crucified today. No pun intended. Okay. Jesus, I'm going to show you in just a second. He's, he's actually, he's not harboring racist thoughts in his mind. He's not sexist. He's, he, he loves this woman. And we're going to see that in just a second. But he says something that's pretty offensive. If there was ever a thing that could get somebody off your case, this would be the thing. But look how this woman responds. This is the greatest response to offense in the Bible. Look at how she responds. She says, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. And if she had a mic, she dropped it. She's like, done. She said, Jesus, you're going to call me a dog? Okay, I'm going to be a bulldog. I'm not going to let go. There was a faith inside of her heart that says, you know what? I've been given every reason to not get this breakthrough I'm, I'm believing for, to not get this blessed life I'm believing for. But you know what? Blessed are the unoffendable. Blessed are the ones who aren't offended on account of me, said Jesus. So you know what? Jesus, I'm still here. And I think at this point, Jesus probably understood that if I say no to this woman, she's gonna follow me home. She's gonna set up a little tent outside, get some direct TV. She's gonna be posted up when I come out in the morning. She says, hey, you ready to give me my breakthrough yet? You ready to give my daughter her healing? Jesus just knows there's something inside of this woman that is not gonna change. She's going to keep coming and believing me and trusting me even when she doesn't see it. And I, I love this response because this reveals Jesus' heart through this whole thing. It says, dear woman, hear the love in this. Dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. I'm not exactly sure why Jesus didn't just heal her daughter the very first time. 
But I have a feeling it's because he wanted us to see, his disciples to see, maybe even this woman to see, the faith that moves his heart. There's something about a woman who just says, you know what? I don't care what comes my way. Jesus, I believe that you are the one I've been looking for. You are my answer and there's no other options. It's you or nothing. And please understand this. When we see Jesus say, dear woman, he shows his compassion for her. It's not like he was incompassionate this whole time. No, no, he, he cared about what she was going through. And sometimes we think that God feels very distant. I want you to know, God sees everything you're going through and can simultaneously feel compassion for you in that. He can feel empathy for you. He can feel what you're going through and simultaneously need you to go through it. He can, in love, love you right where you're at, but also need you to get to where you need to go. And there was something that this woman's faith was going to bring about in his followers for the rest of eternity that Jesus needed to see. And it was about who she was called to be. It was about what she was called to do. It was her faith that brought it. And I was reminded of this story. I heard a pastor in LA talk about it and he had this friend who she felt this stirring, this calling to become an actress. She was in education for many, many years. She had two master's degrees, very high up, uh, very influential in education, but she felt this desire to, and this really felt like it was a God thing, to go move to Hollywood and become an actress. So she moves there for a few months, nothing happens, no callbacks, nothing, no auditions. She meets with this pastor, they're friends, and he says, I don't know what's going on, so let's, let's just pray. Let's just see God together. Let's just see what's going on see if God will give us any next steps. And as they're praying, they're kind of just sitting there and waiting. And, and then she starts to go like this. Oh no, God, no, please, please no. And he's like, well, what's going on? And she said, well, I feel like God's asking me to become a barista. <laughs> now she wasn't, you know, dissing baristas, but she's like, look, I've got two master's degrees. Both of my best friends are in these huge roles in the field that I, I came out of. They've got this incredible influence. They've got incredible career paths. And I'm gonna take mine and just go serve coffee. And it just feels humiliating. It just feels like, are you serious? And in that moment, she had two choices. She could be offended or she could be obedient. And she took the route of obedience. And this was during the 2008 economic recession and so during that time, not as many opportunities for jobs. And so there were 200 applications for this one barista position at the Starbucks near her house. She applies for it. She gets an interview with the manager and the manager's like, uh, what are you doing here? And she's like, I know, I know. I'm just trying to become an actress and it's this whole thing. And so she gets the job. And as she begins to work there, she begins to build these relationships with her coworkers who happen to be these young girls that are also actresses. What begins to happen to her, she becomes like a sorority mom to them. She becomes like this mother to them. She starts to gain a passion and an insight for their struggles, what they're going through. She starts to see their insecurities, their fears, the rejection they face, some of the emotional toil that, is, that takes place in that industry. And, and she begins to just gain a heart and starts to pastor. She becomes a marketplace minister. She begins to pastor right where she is. And, and as she does this, she just... She feeds them with just the word of God and the power of God in their life. She brings Jesus to them. As months go by, one of her coworkers, one of these young girls, she, gets, uh, she lands a role in one of Netflix's earliest series. 
Uh, and this girl is really excited about it. She goes to a table read uh, the day before they're supposed to start filming. And as she's there, she realizes, along with the rest of everybody, that the lead actress in this production is not available. She's not gonna show up. She's not gonna be there. The producers, the director, they're all talking. They're like, what are we gonna do? We, we have this opening. Uh, you know, this is our lead actress. How are we gonna start filming? We're supposed to start filming tomorrow. And this girl overhears it and thinks, hey, I work with someone at Starbucks. And so she says, hey, I don't know if this is stepping over my bounds, but I have this friend who's kind of been like a mother to me at Starbucks. I think she might be great for this part. They audition her. She gets the role, becomes one of Netflix's earliest leading actresses and has been working in the industry ever since. And please hear me on this. I believe that God wanted her to work in that industry to, to make movies and, or you know, to be a part of shows and all of that. But I really believe what he wanted her to do is to become a pastor to those people. And she would have never gained the heart for them. She would have never understood their struggles. She never would have seen that side of it if she only worked with people that were successful. No, she needed to be a part of the industry in a place where people were, were, uh, get the failure all the time, which was at that Starbucks. And I think some of us get frustrated because we think God's given us this vision of who we're called to be. He's given us this vision of where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do. And it's like, you can almost imagine it's like a tree. And you think, man, like God, you've given me these incredibly deep roots and this incredible branches where fruit grows and there's, you know, animals that rest in my shade and they, they build their nests in my branches and it's awesome. And so we get so excited about this vision God gives us. And so we have this vision for a tree and then God hands us a seed. And we get really, really offended. And we begin to think, God, you promised me a tree. He's like, right, here's a seed. <laughs> Don't get offended by God because he gives you a seed when you ask for a tree. Cultivate it. Use the faith in your heart. And so how do we stay unoffendable before God? How do we keep that perseverance? How do we become that bulldog? I really think it comes down to what Jesus said. Look what he tells to John the Baptist. He says, John, when John says, are you the one I was looking for? Or are you the one who, or should I look for the, somebody else? Look what he tells him. He says, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. What's he doing? He's telling them, John, focus on your focus. Focus on your focus. When you're in the midst of feeling like God's not coming through, you, what you need to begin to do is start seeing the ways that God is coming through. And you can choose to focus on all the things that aren't happening in your life. You can begin to focusing on all the ways that God isn't showing up or isn't answering prayers. Or you can begin to do what Jesus encourages John to do, which is say, hey, pay attention to what I am doing and start celebrating that in your life. Start cultivating gratitude for what I'm doing in your life. Start cultivating and thinking about the ways that I have blessed you, thinking about the ways that I'm, you're, I'm coming through for you. Focus on your focus. And sometimes you might have to celebrate it in someone else. I was sitting down with this guy, we meet up pretty regularly, and he was telling me about all these cool things that were happening in his life, like answered prayers, God showing up in really cool ways. And I, in my mind, I was thinking like, dude, that's exactly what I've been hoping for. Like, I'm, I've been Christian longer. I should kind of remember that whole conditional Christianity thing that I was just preaching about earlier. Okay, <laughs> this was like a few weeks ago. Okay, so uh, like, uh, so in that moment, I knew, I said, God, I know that I have a choice to make. I can either be offended that, you're doing this through somebody else, or I can be celebrate 
that you're doing it in them and view it as a sign of your faithfulness that you'll do it in me. Focus on your focus. And so today I wanna conclude by asking you this question. What are you gonna do when God offends you? Let's pray. God, I know that there are people here today that are on the verge of, of throwing in the towel in their faith or maybe stopping believing for the answered prayers or for the vision that you put inside them. Or maybe they're just feeling discouragement. I just pray that you would encourage, that you would put courage inside of us. Just like the woman and just like John the Baptist, that we would have a faith that says, even when I don't see it, I know you're working. A faith that can turn our wise and take them and turn them into worship. Lord, may you show us how blessed it is to be unoffendable before you. I even believe today there were tears shed. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here in the building or in Boardman. There were tears shed even today because you're wondering if God's gonna come through. And I just want you to know that he's saying, I'm here. Can you trust me even when you don't see it? As you stay in this attitude of prayer, I wanna tell you the most offensive news you've ever heard. We call it the good news, but here's why it's offensive. Because Jesus said, you can be saved, but you have to admit that you need saved. In other words, you're not good enough on your own. The way the Bible describes it is like you're a dead man or a dead woman. And the only way you can be brought to life is through the interaction and through the, the love and the power of Jesus Christ. And so yes, it's offensive to say that you're not enough on your own, that you need a savior. But let me tell you, it is way more hopeful than you'd ever imagine. Because Jesus said, not only am I here to forgive you of your sins, wipe them away from you, to make you a new person, but I am also here to redeem your world, to resurrect your world, to bring you into my family. So if you're ready to do that today, we're gonna just make, pray a simple prayer. God's word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you'll be saved. And today, some of you are going to taste salvation for the very first time. So we're gonna pray a prayer that many in this room or online have prayed before. But if you're praying this and you say, you know, this is my moment to come to Jesus. then I want you to pray it from your heart and know that God is saving you right where you are. Church, would you help me pray so no one prays alone? Say this, say, Jesus, I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. But right now, I make a decision, a commitment to follow you. I give you my sins and I take your righteousness. Jesus, I believe that you're God. You died for my sins and were raised to life again so I could have eternal life. That starts right now. With no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to know this, that Jesus makes it very clear that if even one person on planet earth makes a decision to follow Jesus, if one lost person is found, if one dead person is brought back to life, that all of heaven throws a party because you're a child of God. 
and you've been found. You've been brought back to life. So I would love to be able to celebrate with all of heaven. And I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna have you come up to the front if you're in a building or I'm not gonna have you stand up. But I do wanna just ask you to do me a favor. If you're at one of our physical locations and you prayed that prayer, you made that decision to follow Jesus, would you just do me a favor and just raise your hand while no one's looking around? Just keep it up for just a moment and our team is gonna get a Bible into your hands. We're so, so excited for you. We really believe that this is the beginning of something incredibly new in your life. And if you're watching online with us or if you're watching on one of our social media platforms, you can actually just text uh, the number on the screen and then you can also put it in the chat. We're so excited for you. Congratulations to all of you that have prayed that prayer. We really are so just enthusiastic about the best being ahead for you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.